0: The John ham thing, Miss <laughs> Uncle Winkley here. Bring it up, bring it up. <laughs> Dr. J. Flywheel Loophole here. Silly Chinese people. (laughs) And now we begin tonight's program with a quotation There is within us only that dark, divine animal. Engaged in a strange journey, that creature who, at midnight, knows its own ghostliness and senses its own far road. All together, let's go. I'll buy that. Woo-hoo, blow that thing. Here right on top of the world, looking down from this vast cliff, down into the giant, giant abyss, where below me there is nothing but the poor milling throng of senseless lemmings, waiting to have a few little idments and bodmints, and tidments and todmints hurled down there towards them like the mere crust of <coughs> the mere crust of bread of eternity. Oh, I'm sitting on top of the world. Oh, you down there, gang. This is old ship up here on top of the abyss. I'm sitting on top of the world. Just singing a song, Rasmus. Hey, uh, gang, do you want a little augment down there? What? Speak up louder. That's a pretty deep... Abyss you're living in down there, hey! Okay, here comes one, all right, catch it, here it comes! This is the bold, blazing sound of big band jazz, and today it's packing them in across America. Right here, the room's alive with excitement. And here, where you find today's people, you'll find today's beer. Schlitz, listen. Schlitz, listen just got to get some of their records. And I got to get us some more Schlitz. Yeah, I'm a gusto man. Hey, waiter, another Schlitz. Today's sound, today's people, and real gusto in a great light beer. Today's beer, Schlitz, from the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company, Milwaukee and other cities. Honey, order me a Schlitz. That's nice and light, isn't it? Yeah, you can taste it, too. A bartender got a couple of Schlitz left back there. Mister, we're out of Schlitz. We're out of beer. (laughs) Okay, I'm sitting on top. How's that, gang? Okay, okay. (laughs) Boy, what a golem offering. We are living in the middle of it all. Holy smokes. Can you imagine a guy about 500 years from now sitting around, you know, they're they're very official people, see, and uh, they're in an anthropological discussion. Let's put it this way, an archaeological anthropological, zoological discussion, because by that time all the little sciences, little fiddling sciences we've got now, will have finally merged into one great big thing called the science. And they're all going that way now. You know, physicists have to study chemistry now, and chemists have to study biology and biochemistry and and uh, zoowoopee and all of this stuff is slowly beginning to merge. Until finally, as you know, the mathematics mathematicians are getting further and further into the area of metaphysics and uh... and they're getting way up there. You know, and eventually there will be just the scientists who will know everything, and they'll encompass it all. And they will be sitting there, and they will be trying to piece together our chaotic world of the 20th century. Fist fights breaking out on all... Of course, I say that the fist fight... Now, I know it's a very unpopular thing to say. But I say that the fist fight is the natural, creative outlet for man. I really do. (laughs) Anybody want to have a little creativity out there? Get smart with this guy here. Look out. He moves like a tiger here in the jungle of life. Well, one day, they're all going to be sitting around, and can you imagine them trying to make any sense out of this? It is Ralph Harris for McLean. Oh, <laughs> <It's McLean's. laughs> Can't you see the all of the detectives all around there, those kind of anthropologists, wise. they're listening yes, to this thing. saying yes, 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 yes. What a taste. Yes. What Strange accent. When you smile, all oh, the bells will ring. Bells, bells. That must Start be a religious connotation. With McLean's. McLean's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. There was another figure hey, isn't Mr. the time G- you tried the swinging new toothpaste that gets teeth irresistibly white oh, sakes. McLean's Mcclean's has a taste that's so lively so dazzling that you can actually feel it whitening your whole <laughs> mouth feels refreshed and invigorated <laughs> come on now you try new McLean's. You're that's It's cleans the toothpaste that cleans with a new kind of taste that's why yeah 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 what a taste. What a zing Yeah, yeah, yeah When you smile All the bells will ring Yeah, 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 yeah Get them wiped Start tonight With McLean's Yeah, 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 yeah You still using that sweet kid stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah All the way, man Kids Greasy kid stuff is what my life is made out of Crying out loud What's the matter? That was the chair here huh? it's Greasy kid stuff All right, now let's get back to business here we're very serious grown-up people and we better start acting like serious grown-up people all right there there we go okay uh, now I've had uh, <laughs> I've had uh, many requests three uh, two well that's a lot here for woR oh a big mail pull here at WR is four letters a week and I've, I've had uh, many requests to complete my story that I started last night a two-part epic. If J. D. Salinger can do it in 742 parts, I certainly should be allowed 2 shouldn't I? All right, he's kinda of an agent, boy. I'll tell you. Hey, did you? Did, uh, we'll leave that go. Uh, we'll leave that go until next week. That is our J. D. Salinger analysis. Uh, that'll come in next semester. You want it? You want to hear that? The rest of that story about last night when I was telling you the story about how I used to open up this little tank radio station and uh, the world was bright and clean and the sun came up and the sky was bluer and uh, the winds were more fresh and the birds sang with a louder, clearer voice and the clouds were white and fleecy. Ah, this was the beginning of it all. This was late in the Neanderthal period. Before people had dumped sludge into the lakes and rivers and before the detergents had gummed up the sewage system and before Roto-Rooter came on the scene, Mr. Clean was just a gleam in the eye of a charlatan working in a soap factory out in the Midwest. These things were yet to come over the horizon. And the young, magnificent creature Gene Shepard stood on the verge of a career that was to lead him inevitably between... Vincent Tracy, and Dex McCrary. Little realizing what a fantastic world lay before him, he would come bounding into the studio and looking in the engineer's eye would say... Any new commercials today? And he would say, Yeah, listen to this one, Mac. Those magnificent men in their flying machines. They go up to your mouth. Oh, they boy. go down to your mouth. Wow. You're listening to the title song from the summer's biggest, most delightful motion picture Those Magnificent Men in Their Flying Machines. Or How I Flew from London to Paris in 25 Hours <laughs> and 11 Minutes. Uh-huh. Looping the loop and the ground. Those magnificent men in their flying machines is an uninhibited, spectacular, carefree, magnificent two hour romp of fun and romance. In fact, there's only one thing reserved about this movie the tickets. Better order yours now. Very good. Still blowing that thing here. Uh, let's see, from 20th Century Fox, American premiere, now at the DeMille Theater, reserved seats are on sale. That's a picture I want to see. You know, I've been hung on airplanes ever since I was a kid, <laughs> a little kid, and I I, really, uh, I really, uh, I really uh, and of course, being hung on airplanes, and I suppose it's not so easy, you know, to get hung on a jet. Uh, the jet is, is about as coldly efficient as the men's room in a new Hilton hotel. You just don't, <laughs> you know, the, you just don't have any feeling. You just don't run alongside that 707, say, oh boy, old faithful, you know. You just don't do that. This thing is seven blocks long and 18,000 feet high, and the music plays, and you go into it, and they seal it up, and they, they, they put the little things in the doors and the locks, and they pressurize the cabin, and it trundles. a little, there's a little bump, you know, a little thing, and you're in Los Angeles. Well, you know, it really is a funny business. So it wasn't always this way, that the airplane was an object of great, uh, of, uh, I suppose you can say romanticism. And when I was a kid, a little kid, my father was a great airplane crash fan. And uh, we used to go down to the Ford Airport, which was outside of, outside of Chicago, and wait for guys to come in and wipe out their landing gear. Oh, well, we did. We'd, we'd wait there and it would be a very bad Sunday when nothing would happen. You know, these these planes would come in and the D C threes would fly in and once in a while a stinson reliant would come in and a and a Waco would come in and a Blanca biplane would come in. You see it go go We'd all wait, see? and you see this guy come down over the runway and his wings were all flapping, you know, he's got four wings all up there, all flapping like a giant gull. Wow, the old man said, Oh, for crying out loud he made it. <laughs> you know, that kind of scene. <laughs> oh no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not I'm not ghoulish. There is a fact that, that the minute an airplane looks like it's falling down, everybody runs seventeen thousand miles to look at it, as you're aware. Well one day I walked down on the front porch, and it was in June. Because I had just gotten out of school. I remember it specifically. When I saw the most unbelievable fiasco, by today's lights, most people, you know, airplanes are very remote to people today, really remote, you know. Uh, an airplane is a thing, if you buy it, it costs $45,000. Uh, if you get into it, it, it's a big 707 or a 727 jet, things like that. airplane is really as remote from us as a subway car. You know, we get into them, we get out of them, and yet, we're not involved in them. You know, you don't remember, gee, was I in a great subway car today. You know, I'll tell you, that subway car, I'll never forget. You should have seen the way the doors worked and the handles. It was just fantastic. Great subway car. I'm going to keep my eyes out for that one. Well, <laughs> you don't get involved. Uh, and and uh, because of that, the airplane is remote. This is one of the reasons why I want to see this picture. However, uh, I was witness to a fiasco, which even to this day, you know, I, I hesitate to tell people because it doesn't sound real. Uh, that reminds me, speaking Fiasco, this is W.O.R. AM and FM, New York. And before we do anything else, we've got a couple of commercials. And I will tell you my, why I have always been, at the one on one hand, excited about airplanes. And on the other hand, they always kind of worried me. Now, the worry that most people feel about an airplane is vaguely abstract. It's just the mere fact that you're 40,000 feet up in the air and you say, you know, this don't look right. You know, you, know, God, you know, it's, it's kind of nutty. And and the the thing about the new type of aircraft now, uh, that is the the really high flying pressurized airplanes that, that that fly anywhere between thirty five thousand and forty thousand feet, is that you don't really have a sense of flying anymore. Now I I always get letters from people saying. Dear Mr. Shepherd, that's not true. I always say, I'm sorry, honey. That only means that you haven't flown in an airplane where you have a sense of flying. Because in an airplane you have a sense of flying. Daddy, you fly. I mean, you do get a sense of flying. It's like hanging on the bottom of a kite that's in trouble. You know, isn't that true, Maria? You know, you fly. Well, I'm a kid, see. Well, I, before I get into that, I, I'll have to do a couple of these commercials here, get them out of the way, because and 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 for those of you who are nervous about flying anyway, you better not listen to this story. It's a terrible story, so I'm just giving you a warning. Let's see, we got a couple. Uh, here's one here. Oh, our old friends, the paperback. Hey, listen, I just got this copy from the paperback gallery here. Do you know the paper book gallery? On down on Sixth Avenue, right off of A Street, down there, right in the heart of Whoopieville. Right next to the Howard Johnson down there, right in the heart of the village. See, this is the Paper Book Gallery at 399 Sixth Avenue at Eighth Street. Now that's the Paper Book Gallery, the big one. They have the wildest scene. Uh, I just picked up this copy here, and and uh, it, it. I think that they are stepping into a gap. Do you have? Do you have the the? Uh, are you knee deep in paper books you don't read? Have you ever wondered what to do with a paper book that you've got, you know, and you've got 18 millions of them running all the way from Standal to 4,000 westerns and that, and you you, you don't like to throw out a paper. An old magazine you throw out, but a 75-cent copy of Kierkegaard, you know, you're in trouble. Well, the paper book gallery has a trade-in sale. Let that soak in out there. All these No, they're not taking paper books in on new Fords. Uh, <laughs> all I want to do is compound your problem. The paperback trade-in sale for used paper books, they will give you 25% toward any new purchase. Clean out all the paperbacks that you no longer want. Take Because, you, you know, after all, a guy's, a guy's tastes improve as age goes on. You know, he starts out reading stuff like Sonic Zuberay, and he starts out reading things. You know, kids read stuff like trivial stuff like... Tom Wolfe and, you know, finally you get up to the point where you don't want that junk and you're reading Ian Fleming and that stuff now, you know, as you grow up into the world. And here's your chance. They'll give you 25% of their value in new merchandise and you don't have to spend a cent and you don't even have to carry them. They'll pick them up. They will arrive with a truck and pick the whole shlemu up. Serious. Give them a call at yu nine two 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 six. I will repeat that. You can call them right now at on. They're open right now. YU nine two 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 six. I can see some guys' houses will rise three feet when they unload that junk. YU nine two 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 six. Give them a call. Twenty five percent paper book sale. All right. I wonder if we can trade leader in on that. We got a paperback. Well, then, uh, however, uh, uh, you know it's a. <laughs> you want to hear that? You want to hear the rest of the story? All right, before I tell you this story, we've got a couple of whoopies, but I am standing on the porch. I'll, I'll give you a little, a little soup sound of it. I, it's, it's, it's beautiful June day. And you know, I, I guess when things like this happen to you, some people go all through their lives, and I'm convinced that nothing happens to them. They just don't. Now, I don't know whether they envy those people or whether to pity them. It's very hard to know. Because on the one hand, some old klutz at the age of 74 can have sailed right into life's serene harbor without ever once having seen a doggone thing on the entire route. He's just been sailing under blue skies all the way. Now, is that good or not? That's hard to say. Now, on the other hand, there are other guys who every five minutes, a cornice falls on them. Every 15 minutes, the left rear tire blows out. Every 20 minutes, they get hit in the mouth innocently, walking down the street, past a fist fight, and they catch one. Now, (laughs) I'm one of those guys. I'm serious. I seriously am. I'm one of those people, and I observe that some of us are marked and others aren't. Some are on the scene, and others don't even know there's a scene. Now, uh, what this does to you, I don't know. You know, it's very hard to know because I suspect that the vast majority of people have been able to escape without seeing anything they have always arrived 20 minutes after the wreck and they're just sweeping up a little glass you see they don't know 47 car collision here. they didn't even see it see or they arrive 15 minutes before 47 cars come together and they just say gee I didn't see anything there the other day so what do you mean the whole block burnt down thought, gee Liz that's funny I was just there holy smokes well are they lucky or not well, I have been on the scene in some pretty wild incidents. And uh, and here's what usually happens. The guy to whom nothing ever happens, this forms a life pattern generally, and he thinks that the guys to whom things do happen are either kooks or liars, or both. He said nothing ever happens to me like that. What are you talking about? This guy's inventing all that stuff. And he's been sitting on his big, fat, you know what, for 47 years on the Grand Concourse drinking beer. He hasn't gone out of the house twice in six months, you know. And he's like, well, nothing never happens to me. He sits there watching the Johnny Carson, snow week after week. His idea of a big happening to his life is when Carson trips over the mic cable. You know, that's a big thing. He says, oh, boy, you should have seen what I saw the other day. Well, I'm a kid, and already it's beginning to happen to me as a kid. I must have been about eight, and I was deep in this oh gee whiz wow about the airplane stage. I'd stand out there and watch the airplanes go by and see, wow, gee whiz wow, airplanes. Well, one June day I had just got out of school. It was about the first week of vacation, and I Walk out on the front porch. Now we had this typical front porch, you know, with the swing hanging down there, with the with the rusty chain, with the snowball bushes around, and my mother's little pot of geraniums all along the all along the railing there, you know. And you could smell the flowers and the grass and the trees. And old man Scott is across the street. He's mowing the lawn and he's yelling at his his bushes. His bushes kept growing into phallic forms. He had this terrible situation, and he was a very prudish man, and he was always out there yelling at him with the clippers, you know holler stop it, you know and he's clipping oh no, obscene, and and there was old man Scott over there. And Mrs. Anderson was out there yelling at, 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 the, at the kids, you know, oh, just the neighborhood is going on. And, and it's a Sunday afternoon, you know, the kind of Sunday afternoon where, where old ladies are going past and you can hear their girdles creaking and guys are going past with their stiff white shirts and old grandpas have got black ties, you know, and you can hear their suspenders popping and their upper plates rattling. And it's Sunday, you know, Sunday in the Midwest. Did you ever, did you ever read any James Oggy? Well, Oggy describes some of this. And uh, and if you're interested, oh, by the way, uh, I describe a little of that in the current issue of Playboy magazine. For those of you who are always after me, and you say, tell us when you've got some writing. In the July issue, which is just now on the stand, you'll see my name is right on the front page there, right by Ian Fleming. I'm very official now. It's right up there. a Gene Shepherd and Ian Fleming. Oh, boy, i got a better agent. He's dead, too, you know. He can't yell and call up and say, you know. But uh, for those of you... Yeah, there's a description of the Midwest there that I tried to put down on paper a little bit. It's a 4th of July whoopee, really. And it's in the current issue of Playboy. However, here it is. It's all out there, and then you could smell the the new cut grass, and you could... Mr. Bruner was out there sleeping on the sidewalk, and you could smell him... And uh it was all part of it. You could smell the stockyards and the steel mills and it's it's the what is it? It's the it's the zeitgeist of the Midwest. And I am a kid, see, I'm a little squirt. Gee, I almost said something else there. Wow. I'm this little kid, see. And I I can wow Oh, that was a near miss. Holy smokes, that went right over the bottom. Holy smokes, we better start evasive action here, Captain. And I, I uh I come out and the screen door slams behind me, a little, little realizing that I am about to witness a fantastic moment, see? The screen door goes bang, you know. And my mother keeps, Will you stop slamming the screen? I'm going to go out of my mind! Bang, you know. And I bang it again. So I, I go, I go, I say, All right, Ma, close it again. And she's now, Go! Boom! I'm out oh, of screen. It's, the spring is too tight. I'm standing there now looking out. About to decide, you know, that, that feeling that kids get, about to decide what scene am I going to make, you know? Am I going to chase Don Strickland down the street and, you know, yell at her? Am I going to hit flick or am I going to throw stuff at old man Scott over there and hide behind the bushes? You know, what is, what am I going to do? See, so I'm standing out there and I'm all by myself, which is a kind of a key bit here. You see, I'm all by myself and I'm, I'm about eight, I would guess, roughly eight. And I'm on the first Rung of the step. Now right above me, we we lived in this this one it was it was one story wooden frame house, you know, with a lawn that went down and the whole business with the yard and the street out in front of a couple of little trees. And above me is the roof of the porch, see? And I, I stand and it's hot. Oh it's a great day. See, I'm looking around. And all of a sudden I hear, I hear in the distance, I hear wow, 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 wow. wow. I look around, and see, I figure, well, you know, so some kind of a wild car is coming, see, or something like that, and it's going wow, wow, it's getting closer and closer, and it's getting very loud, and I can't see anything on the street. And, oh man, Scott is going ba, 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 you know that sound of the of the lawnmower in the pre-power lawnmower era, when, when, oh boy, I'll tell you, do you do you realize that my arms would be a foot and a half longer if I hadn't grown up in my entire adolescent days pushing a seven thousand pound lawnmower? For 25 cents a lawn. And one guy had a lawn that was over 19,000 acres around. And, you know, and so the, I, the sound is going, and I, wow, wow, wow. And I'm the only guy that's looking. Scott just keeps messing around the old man over there. And Mrs. Anderson is, she's yelling at the kids and the people are walking. And I'm looking around like that. And all of a sudden, right directly ahead of me, I am looking directly out of the house. You know, I'm standing in the bush looking right out. Over the house, across the street, which was old man Scott's, right over the roof comes an airplane. A little tiny red and white biplane, and this thing is flying like a nut. It goes, wow, 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 comes right at me, and right over the roof, it goes, wow, wow, wow. Holy smokes an airplane. Well, I run down the, and, and just that split second I run down onto the onto the onto the out uh, of the grass and I make that left turn up the driveway and just as I hit the driveway and I'm heading towards the porch I hear wow wow I'm heading towards the garage back there in the back and you know, it's gone over the backyard. It cleared my old man's antenna. He had a we had a radio antenna, he stuck up there, you know, so we could hear England and all that on the sky he didn't clear that by 18 inches, I'll tell you. He just went, wow, wow, wow. These two little wheels hanging down. You see the cockpit see the Wow, wow, it's G8. Well, I run up the, I run up the, up the, uh, I go tearing up this, this uh, driveway towards this, towards the porch past the porch, tw- and I go heading back towards the garage, and just as I get about 10 steps from the garage, I can hear, whoa, 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 and he's disappearing, whoa, 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 whoa. boom, <laughs> he crashes in the backyard of the house on the other side of the alley from us, <laughs> holy smokes. Well, I go tearing over there, and I, I am, I'm i this little kid, I'm about eight or nine years old, and it all happened so quick, it was like a giant buzz bomb hit the neighborhood, you know. I am the first guy on the scene, so help me. I run over there, and I'm standing, here's this little airplane, it is plowed right into a hill. There's a little side of a hill where a little bulging hill, it was like a vacant lot next to this house on the other side of the alley back of us there. and this thing came and boom, we banged right into there and there's this little airplane with a tail sticking up and the smoke is flying, I'm standing there, you know, I'm looking at the thing (laughs) and almost instantly I can hear from all directions, all around me I hear people going, ah, whoo, help, whoo, airplane I hear the people running, and the doors are slamming, and people are yelling and hollering and I'm standing right next to this and I'm not more than you know. A kid doesn't understand the you know the, the, the dynamics of, the, of a thing like this. I don't think I'm six feet from it. And here is an airplane that's burning. Well, I don't know whether any of you have been near to an airplane that's burning. That ain't a good place to be near. This thing has got about 14,000 gallons of high test, high octane aviation guys. I'm standing, holy smokes, you know, gee whiz, wow, an airplane. I wonder where the guys are. <laughs> I wonder where the guys are. Well, I am standing there and all of a sudden I am yanked right off my feet this cop has come whipping along in a squad car and he sees the scene, you know, apparently he got the call or something, and the people are all running, he grabs it, off I go, and he tears me back to the squad car, and all the people are, and just as he does this, it goes, <laughs> it goes, and the smoke flies, and I stood there, and the crowd all stood on one foot and on the other, and it was a very funny feeling that everybody had in his guts, He was this beautiful little red and white moth, this lovely little red and white biplane. And everyone up to this point had secretly had a desire to see an airplane crash. And now here was one, right back there in the Martin's backyard. And it's going, and I could hear, the fire engines are coming, they're coming from all directions. And we just stood there and looked at it. There must have been 500 people in the neighborhood shifting from one foot to the other and that cop is standing next to me he says boy what's the matter with you kid don't you know for crying out loud you could have got killed The, the cop was half hysterical I'm standing there and about that time my mother comes out of the back porch Oh, she didn't know what went. yeah, she took a lot of yelling back. She just figured, you know, that Bruner had started another fight, you know, the whole scene. And and she comes out the back and she says, Jeannie, what are you? And she sees this fantastic conglomeration of people out there. And she comes down tearing. Up. My old man comes from around the front. My kid brother has been asleep on it a day bed. He comes running out. And now and my mother says, Jeannie, Jeannie, what are you doing here? And the cop says, You take him back in the house. He almost got blown up, lady. I said, What do you mean he almost got blown up? Little airplane is burning away there. Blah, 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 blah. Well, that night, after all the debris was cleared away, and by the way, the neighborhood never forgot that moment. That's 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 the great moment. That, that to, this is one of those historical milestones. You know, like the sign, uh, signing of the Magna Carta, and D-Day, and, and the time that Hitler invaded Poland. All those fantastic things they always talk about before the airplane crash. Or after the airplane crash in our neighborhood. It's before or it's after. Miller Highlight. <laughs> With summer on its way, millions of vacationing Americans will be swinging out across the country. And there's one familiar friend waiting for you wherever you go, in spite of those idiotic clots that you travel with. One friend you can count on wherever you go. When the arguments get going and the people start yelling your car, stop and ask for sparkling, flavorful, distinctive Miller High Life, your friend. Miller High Life is just there waiting, ice cold, the champagne of bottled beer brewed in Milwaukee, the home of friends. This is where they create friends like other places create automobiles. It's Miller High Life, your one friend and the friend you can count on. You tell them, the crowd in your car, to think about that the next time they yell at you. Okay. Gee, that's a great commercial there. Really getting right down to the heart of the psychological problems of modern man there. Uh, it's, holy smokes. Well, you know, I didn't know how I got on that story of that airplane, although I've been debating telling this story. Now, it, uh, to give you the aftermath of this, to give you, to give you a slight idea of how uh, airplanes, the whole concept of airplanes, has changed in a comparatively short time, the aftermath of the story, when... When it came out in the newspapers, what had happened in that accident? Well, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Now, today, if you say it, you know, the people look at you like you're a nut. But here's the story these two guys that were in this airplane were brothers. And they had built this airplane in their backyard from, plan, from plans, <laughs> airplane plans, that they had bought for a quarter from popular mechanics. So help me, I'm raising my hand like that. You can see That's the truth. And they had built this airplane and they finished it like on late Saturday afternoon. Neither one had ever been in an airplane before, apparently. They finished the airplane and uh, they took it down to the airport and they, they, you know, they towed it out there with the wings on the top of the car, whatever it is they did, and they towed it to the airport. And they were fooling around with it there. They rented themselves a little hanger, and they took it out one day, and they and one of the guys says, all right, now, let's see. He's got the popping mechanics. He says, what you are supposed to do? I'll pull a choke out, Charlie. I'll pull a choke out here, and you three, you three, yeah, the, the big fan in the front there, the prop, yeah. Now, you grab a hold of it and swing it around, you know, like a crank. It'll start up then. All right, now, when I holler, uh, let's see what it says. You holler here, uh, uh, a contact. Well I don't know what contact means, just what you holler. I'll holler contact, okay? When I turn the switch on. Yeah, and when I say contact, you pull the top of the thing. Just spin it. Alright, we'll see what happens, alright? Alright, let's go. Okay, the switch is on, yeah. You got a hold it out there? Okay, uh uh what is that word again? Let's see, uh uh, uh contact? Not man? Try it again, Charlie. Just do it again. I'll just turn it Maybe make thing is cold. Yeah. Contact. Try it again. Contact. Yeah, contact. Hey, turn it turned over. Wait a minute. I'll pull the choke out again. Holy smokes. Try it again. Contact. Hey, all right. Up in the back. Let's go. Hey, here we go. Now, let's see. It says push the stick forward. You turn the throttle up, wow, 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 Hey, we up, wow, 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 wow. pull it back, push it, wow, 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 wow. Well, 30 seconds later, they're in Martin's backyard. That is a fact. Now, I don't think there are many guys around who would even think of the idea of building an airplane in their backyard today. Men have changed considerably. They would not think of it. Ter- we think of buying an airplane. But building an airplane, you know, just doesn't occur to most people. Now, it occurred to a heck of a lot of people in those days. As a matter of fact, uh, the the ground was littered with uh, airplanes. That, <laughs> and there was one airplane, I will award you a brass fig with bronze oak leaf palm if you're an old airplane fan. There was one airplane that was sold as a kit. You could buy it just like you, you know, like you buy uh, today, you buy jigsaw puzzles or you buy... Uh, you know, little model airplane kits, you could buy this airplane as a kit. Now, what was the name of that plane? It was a parasol. I'll give you that. Parasol meaning it was a high wing monoplane with, with the, with the, with the uh, wing above the fuselage. It was a parasol plane. Single-place parasol and it was sold as a kit. And the, the engine that was used in it was a Model A engine. You could go out to the junkyard and get a Model A or an old Plymouth engine and it had mounts for both and the whole shebang you buy an engine you know an old engine for like twenty five dollars you know from an old wreck model a the whole shebang you could build for something like four hundred dollars the kit the whole thing came and these guys were building these things all over the country the only problem was that these airplanes had a tendency to go up very fast and come down twenty times faster as a matter of fact (laughs) they, they said at one time that the wings that were coming down from this type of parasol plane it was like rain. They would shed the wings, you see. When you went over seven miles an hour, the wings would come off, and there you would be left 40,000 feet up in the air, you know, with nothing but the sticks and your model airplane engine to hang on to well, now, can, uh, I will award you a brass figgy if you will give me the name of that plane. <laughs> it was a wild airplane. And I, in fact, I think that, I think, now I'm, I may be wrong, but I think that Sears Roebuck sold it uh, along with, uh, you could build a, do you know that they sold a kit of a house? You could buy a house in a kit. I'll tell you about the time Heine Gertz bought a house in a kit. He, it came in four boxcars. And, uh, you know how guys, whenever they get a kid immediately marry her, they start yelling, hey, look at this part, Charlie! You know, they're running around with a kid. Well, well, my old man and Chris Voss and Heine Gertz and about nine other guys went down to the, went down to the freight sidings when Heine's house came from Sears Roebuck. And they started to unload it and they got yelling, hey, look at this! Look at this! Here's the John! Hey, look, look at this! I wonder what this is! And it started to rain. <laughs> And they were caught with Heine Gertz's house Spread all over the sidings Uh, The railroad siding In the middle of a fantastic driving rainstorm And the switchman wanted the freight cars back I can tell you the rest of that story (laughs) You got another whoopee in there Come on, hit it (laughs) Hey, you're in my shower Forget your shower And follow us who? Peter Sellers oh. Peter O'Toole Rami Schneider oh. Capucine Paul Apprentice ah. And least but not last Woody Allen And guest star Ursula Andrews So follow us Where? To find the answer To what? To the comedy question of the year What? What's new Pussycat? In color A United Artists release What's new Pussycat? Whoa What's new Pussycat? Whoa this picture is recommended for adults only. Pussycat, pussycat, I love you. Yes, I do. Holy smokes. What are we heading for? Uh, this fantastic opus starts Wednesday, Tuesday at the Astor and the Transluck East Theatres. <laughs> wow. You know... Uh, I, I, uh, gee whiz, we've only got a few minutes, and I was going to tell the story about how I opened up the radio station early in the morning. And, uh, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you what I'll do. I don't know whether I should tell this story. I'll tell this story at the limelight Saturday night. Okay, Mario? All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, it's, it's funny. No, I'll tell it. Oh, no, I know what. I know, I know. It's a, it's a funny story. But it's a thing you have to do properly, correctly. Now, uh, uh, another thing about those airplanes, uh, since, we're, since we're on the subject of those airplanes, that there were several airplanes that were designed almost on the principle of the flying beer bottle. Uh, they had about as much <laughs> they had about as much lift as a beer bottle, and they were also aerodynamically designed like a beer bottle. They looked like a beer bottle, very angry little beer bottle. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll award you a brass figure, if you can tell me the name of the airplane. This is one of those trivia nights. The name of the airplane that, uh, that was called the Flying Beer Bottle. And this airplane was used by several top internationally known air racers. These were famous guys who raced airplanes. And this was an angry, little, rotten airplane. Now, can you tell me the name of that place it's called the Flying Beer Bottle. Now, you know, it's a funny thing, you know, now that, now that we've come into this subject, it is, it is fascinating. I wonder where, whatever happened to these guys. You know, today, uh, you know how famous race car drivers are? You guys like Clark, guys like Brabham, guys like John Fitch, you know, guys like uh, Juan Fangio, uh, how famous race car drivers are? Well, there was a time, and it wasn't very long ago, it was just before the war, There was a time when there was a whole phalanx of internationally famous air racers. These guys raced in these maniacal little airplanes, like 350 miles an hour around the pylons. Can you tell me there was a very famous one named Art? Come on, what was his name? We'll find out. Who was the most famous of all the flyers at that time who carried with him in his airplane? Talk about style, holy smokes. A lion cub. Yes, sir. He carried a lion cub in his plane, and it was a golden airplane he flew, and he had a helmet, a white helmet with big goggles, with, with these black puttees, with a big white silk scarf floating behind him, and he, he looked like Ronald Coleman. He had, a, you know, this, this little cookie duster, you know, that, that, that snappy little look about him, that, that square-jawed look of Preston Foster, you know. What was his name? And on the subject of these fantastic moments, we would like to point out we have with us tonight, happiness. Happiness. And for those of you who are looking for a really swinging restaurant where you can live the secret life of the intrigue, international spy, the life of the the sensual orientalist, this is happiness. Between 93rd and 94th, in the heart of swinging Broadway, where Chinese food, you figure any minute now, is liable to be called illegal. As a matter of fact, you figure that you're sitting there and shoveling it in, they're going to bust you. This is happiness. They have a little barzy, for those of you who are worried about that little problem. They're open seven days a week. They serve a meal that just does not stop, family style. And by the way, this is for special slobby families. They can shovel it in for four hours if they want, and it's only two and a quarter per each. Real Chinese food that sticks to the ribs. Happiness between 93rd and 94th. And what was the name of that guy now, Colonel what? He was even called Colonel. And who was he sponsored by? His airplane had a giant, I can't even tell you what it was, painted on the side, green. <laughs> and, uh, and as a kid, I once saw him fly into the Ford Airport with his lion cub, with his great white scarf floating on behind him, his leather jacket, his puttees, and his beautiful Lockheed Orion racing plane. Uh, yeah, Lockheed Orion, Jack. Yeah, that's a better name than 707. Stop it! Come on. Now. <laughs>